Blog Talk Radio. attack 
of New Era Chicago and New Era Detroit by the Chicago Police Department. And from what's apparent and what's been placed on Facebook, it looks like an unprovoked attack. You know, let's discuss that. Let's discuss how eerily similar it was to the 60s and 70s uh, in Alabama under Bull Connors when they were attacking black protesters. And, I mean, these were people getting beat in and, and begging for inclusion. You know me, I always say these were people that were getting beat in and begging for them to be able to spend their dollars in white stores. This is them just saying, but, you know, to each his own. Uh, and so they were attacked. So here in, in when we're talking about New Era Chicago and New Era Detroit, they were cleaning the neighborhood. For those of us that have seen the video, we see that it starts out, and it's graphic. I mean, it is graphic. It will cause your blood to boil. It will get you upset. I mean it. Because the video starts out with just Chicago Police Department pouncing on brothers and sisters. They had children out there. They were, for all, you know, from everything that was apparent on the video, it looks like that they were compliant. You didn't see any ruckus. You didn't see them really causing a fray or trying to start anything that they were really going along complying to the police's orders, and still they were pounced upon. And some of the reports said from Chicago, New Era, uh, New Era Chicago, New Era Detroit, that the police not only were slurring, throwing racial epithets, not only were having racial slurs, but were saying things um, such as, you know, we're sick of these protests, we're sick of seeing your flags. And when you look at the police department, it's predominantly Caucasian and predominantly white. You know what I'm saying? So you look at this, and then the video goes on to further show men. So what they do, what the video does, it says three hours earlier. After it shows the police attack, the unprovoked police attack, it says three hours earlier. And it goes into three hours earlier. And the only thing that it shows them doing, the only thing they're doing is going through, cleaning up the community, shaking some hands, reinstilling a sense of pride and a sense of self-worth in their own communities. These seem to be the only thing that they're doing. And for that, they were brutally attacked. So we have to talk about that. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about some ways that we can prevent these attacks. I mean, you know, let's get candid. How can we stop being victimized? How do we stop being targeted by people who clearly have no concern for our women and our children's safety? I'm not even talking about the brothers, but there were children out there that they have no concern for our women and children's safety. They have no concern for our lives, any of that, and just and just brutally and blatantly attacking us. You know, what can be done? You always hear me calling for unity. You know, you, you hear me calling for unity, and not just a unity based on anything, not just a unity based on the fact that we're black. I don't, you know, listen, let me tell you something. That hasn't worked in the past. It won't work in the future. It's not substantial enough. It's not solid enough to pull us together. But unity based on our survival. When you seen that, they were indiscriminately attacked. Then every person, I don't care what you were calling yourself. I don't care what your religious beliefs are. I don't care what your social and economic philosophy should have been. You could have been a capitalist, socialist, communist. You know what I'm saying? I don't care any of that. If you weren't angry, about that unprovoked attack, then you were less than human. Even a non-black human should have been angry about that, but more so, if you were black, you should have felt that. 
so my call is for unity for like I was, you know, someone a, a comrade of mine said in Atlanta that I had gotten a call and they were like, Man, we need a mass movement. They're brothers ready to ride. You know, so I was sitting and I was saying, Hey, well listen, we don't want to ride in anybody's city that we don't have permission or we make it worse for them or this isn't the type of action they want to take or you get out there and they discredit us, you know, and say, hey, we're not with them or this and So I like to send out anybody out there with New Era Chicago or New Era Detroit, call in. Let us know what the deal is. Let us know what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I was waiting to see a press conference or something. I see that when that Asian guy, Chicago's off the hook. I see when that Asian doctor, Dr. Dow. I think his name is, got snatched off the plane. You know, I see that his family held a press conference, and by the way, that happened to be in Chicago with people who were trained by Chicago law enforcement. So this seems to be the prevailing attitude in Chicago. If anybody's a minority uh, ethnicity, you know, if you're not white up there, you can catch it. They snatched this guy off the um, uh, plane because he, they wanted him to give up his seat. He had paid for the ticket and everything, broke his nose, knocked teeth out of his mouth. You know, this is how they get out. So when is enough enough, and what kind of actions can we do to prevent these things? Or are we destined to start to going back, you know, President Trump did say, let's make America great again. What type of America is he talking about? You know, is this America that was great for them? This white, this, this, this America that was built on a, here's my word, here's my word, ready for it, brace yourself, a white supremacy, an America that um, allowed agencies and departments of repression, meaning in essence the police departments, the militaries, those that upheld unjust legislation and legislation that specifically targeted people of other ethnicities and minorities for blatant and indiscriminate persecution. Is this what we're going back to? Because, like I said, man, when you look at the thing in Chicago, it was unwarranted. It was an unwarranted attack. And I haven't seen any response. I haven't seen any news media. I haven't seen anything out from New York, Chicago, saying, you know, really explain. Like I said, I would love to see them call a press conference for my understanding and my – I haven't really done the research on it. So if you out there know something about it, please – Press one and chime in. We can open your mics and get more information on this. But from my understanding, a lot of the leadership of those particular those two organizations, New Era Chicago, well, one organization but from two different cities, New Era Chicago and New Era Detroit, that their leadership is locked up. You know, what's the deal with that? See, this is what gets me from us, man, as, as, as people of African descent. We suffer from what I call nigger amnesia. You know, they keep so many things happening to us that if it isn't on Facebook or if it isn't in the news, then we forget about it. What's going on with Sandra Bland? <laughs> they murdered that sister. You see what I'm saying? Things like this that, that happen, we don't even do the follow-through. We'll do a couple protests. We'll wave the picket signs. We'll get out there and rally and shave, raise the black fist, and we'll be in our emotionalism and our anger and won't have any follow-through or won't have any real plans to make some, some substantial change. And this is what the revolution is about. The revolutionary is about making a complete and constructive change. And that change first has to say, like you always hear me say, it has to begin within yourself. You see, when we take all of these poisons and toxins into our body psychologically, you know, food-wise, physically, we're taking all these poisons, but right now I'm talking about psychologically, we take all of this stuff into our, 
into our systems, then it makes us immune to the in, 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 inhumane behavior that's perpetrated against any people and more specifically against us as a people. You know, we're on to the next thing. Without demanding or trying to make ways or build institutions that, that bring about a complete and constructive change for the betterment of an oppressed people here in America, and that's specifically and in particularly being people of African descent. These issues have to be addressed. And that goes into the thing of the government program. Does, do government programs contribute to that? Do government programs contribute to our our apathy, our not caring about what goes into our community? Does it make us dependent on people? And as long as we get the little benefits that we get from the government, we could care less about, you know, we become we practice a European trait, which is individualism and not communalism. Is that is that true? You know, or like I said before, the other side of that is some people say that it is not a handout but a hand up. That it's an opportunity that we understand that due to historic social economic conditions and realities that people of African descent have been placed behind. I don't care about this illusion of inclusion that they say, because that's all it is that to some degree. It was an illusion of inclusion. You know, but you, we were hundreds of years behind the curve, economically, education-wise. I'm not going to say socially, culturally. I think that socially and culturally we were far more advanced. But economically and education-wise, to compete in a society that they created, we were behind. To be able to keep up with the standards that they said or what they said to be the norms of society, we were behind, especially when the people like Brother Malcolm said, if they don't treat you right, what makes you think they're going to teach you right? Especially nobody's going to teach their competitor. No one's going to teach their competitor. You know, that's like training somebody to take your job. You're not going to train them right, just right. But they say the teacher never teaches the student everything. You know, some things the student has to find out on their, on their own. So when we look at that, so is our government programs a part of that? And if they are, how can we flip that to use them to be beneficial to our advancement as a people? I told you my solution has and always will be the solution of communalism, the solution of togetherness, going back to that African, to that thing that makes up the very DNA of African people here in America, and that is communalism, working together, that individuality, mentality, that not looking out for one another, that hatred that we have for one another, that lack of tolerance, that lack of patience, that be, that unforgivable, that um, being unforgiving to one another will not see us through this. It will not see us through this. Now, I'm not saying be foolish. That's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm not saying be. I'm not saying use your common senses, because that's important. It's essential and vital to your survival. On the planet Earth, you have to use common sense. It's hot, it's hot. You know what I'm saying? A snake is a snake. A nigger is a nigger. But the level of how we deal with it, see, we have to be careful that we don't start to take on certain mentalities and even in our dealing with our own. Because we will. We'll find, um, like I said, you'll find people that on the government programs, you'll find these people that look at those brothers and sisters, you and I, that, that uh, our brothers and sisters that um, may be on government aid or having some benefits that will look down their noses. 
at those brothers and sisters that will look down their noses as what I call the lumping proletarian, the brothers and sisters that um, may be selling narcotics or the sister that may be dancing in the club that really set themselves up in a position of moral and, 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 and on a high position of morals and ethics and to look down upon them for the things that they do for the very survival without contributing solutions or ways for people of African descent to survive. It's unrealistic. And we don't take in the factors. I don't think that we take in really the factors in our community, the factors of the things that got us to this point in the game, which is important. Really looking, being honest, and looking at uh, the social conditions from an objective standpoint and not a subjective standpoint. You know, and if we do look at it from a subjective standpoint, then the subject the subject, when we say subjective standpoint, the subject we need to be looking at it from is black liberation. Everybody does it. There I go again. Everybody does it. Yanga, you love to say everybody does it because everybody does it. The people who write history, the people who are giving us these government programs, the people in control do everything from a subjective position, and that position is for them to maintain or retain a position of authority. That's it. When you read history, they're putting it from their subjective position to maintain a position of authority, to make their standpoint, to make their views and their opinions and their philosophies look like the right philosophies and everything else to look foolish. You'll find it on it. That's why they call it debates. That's why you have people debating. You know, I don't, you know, I, I, that's how I look at history. I look at history from a subjective standpoint because I know I don't believe in the truth in history. Because I went, why? I wasn't there. <laughs> Yo, if I didn't eyewitness it, I, I got to look at it subjectively. The white man say this, the white man say Christopher Columbus founded America. Dr. Joseph says something different. This brother says something different. There's four or five different accounts of one historical event. It's like a little game they used to play. They said people could witness the same thing, and you ask three different people what happened. And you would get three different stories because three different people, there's no two things can occupy the same space at the same time. Everybody's standing at a different angle. Somebody blinked at this time, turned their head at this time. There's three different perspectives. And so that event has three different outcomes. So there's no truth. The only truth to any history is the truth of that history that empowers you. That's the only truth of history. If that history doesn't empower you, then it isn't the truth from a black liberation perspective. And this is how I think that we should go into when we look at our government programs. If we're not looking at things that we do from the perspective of survival, from the perspective of advancing, from the perspective of freedom, from the perspective of empowerment, then we should stay away from them. Those things are totally destructive. Then they're totally destructive. The African man and woman here in America, I say, is a continuance of the African experience. We can't get caught up into, we, we, they, they have done such a number on us that we don't even evolve, we haven't even evolved naturally to defy ourselves. And every other slave people have done it. Look at the Jamaicans. Oh, you thought they were just their Africans. They were transported to the island, to the Caribbean. But upon the Caribbean, they defined 
They started to define, this is why in the Black Panther Party we say define, develop, and defend. They started to define a new personality. Now you got the Rasta. You got the Rasta man. That's a new experience. That's a continuation of an African experience that they tied back to Ethiopia. Ethiopia, they tied it back. They kept some of the African traditions and heritage and put it with their, in their new experience. Now you got Patois. They got their own language. That's not an African language. Oh, you thought it was an African language. Patois is an African language. That's their language that they developed. You look at the Haitians. Look at everybody. They started to defy their identity, to take their experience and start to mold their identity and their culture from that. They didn't argue whether they was this or whether they was that. You don't find a Jamaican arguing all of that foolishness. Only the nigga in America. You don't find anybody doing You don't find a Haitian arguing all He say he Haitian. He's West Indies. The Jamaicans say he Jamaican. The Brazilians say he Brazilian. The nigga in America say he everything but. So we have to take, but it's when you're looking at, they looked at their thing was based on a survival mechanism. They need the very understanding, the raw understanding of the need to continue, the continuation. Everything that they did, they looked at it from that subjectivity, from the need of continuation, and that's how they evolved. That's how Wudun evolved. They took the African religion, okay, you're going to outlaw our religion outright, then we're going to take it underground. We're going to take it underground. We're going to adapt your Christian saints, we're going to take everything that looks like Catholicism. It looks like we're Catholics, but we're practicing voodoo. We don't go over there and say, oh, you Christian. White man gave you Christianity. White man gave you that Christianity. I bet you won't tell one of them that. You'd be croaking like a frog. Okay. Put some mojo on your ass. <laughs> See, because they understood that. Look at the Rastaman. The Rastaman is a Hebrew. He got the star Daoud, he got the star David, or he's, I don't want to call him a Hebrew man, but he reads the Bible. He said, Heli Selassie is the second coming of Messiah. I and I. Heli Selassie I the second is that. He took his African understanding with a Christian understanding, brought it back to Heli Selassie in Ethiopia, and tied it all in together. Nobody said, Oh, the white man can't do that. Nobody bothered the Rastaman. We respect them. What's up, Dread Rasta? Y'all might be rooting. We respect them and don't respect one another. You look at the Azteca. Look at the Mexicans. They came together under their oppressive way. They speak Spanish. That was the language of their conquerors, the conquistadors. The Spaniards conquered Aztec, took the, the Azteca people, and made them into Mexicans. They weren't Mexicans. Mexican is like the nigger. How they took African people and made us into some other. They was Azteca people, Montezuma, and all these other people, the Cougar people and the Jaguar people and all these people, and they took that and made them Mexicans. But that very need, that desire, that urge for continuation to continue to su- survive as a people made them take the very thing that their conquerors gave them and made it a new experience. We can't get stuck and not take these things, okay, it's unfortunate what we're going through, this and that, but we take them, we are a new experience of the African continuation of that African dynamic. The African here in America, we have to defy ourselves. We have to defy what's in the best interest for us. 
So we take your program. We take those things that you think that you're giving us to harm us, and we look at it from a from a a, a position of subjectivity, and that subjectivity being the unification, being the solidarity, being the liberation, being the empowerment and the advancement of an African people. That's the only history I want to hear. That's the curriculum that I think that when we get in our schools, like it says in our platform on the nine local objectives, that we must control the education in our communities. We must control the education of our children. And I'm paraphrasing. That when we start to go to the PTAs, parent-teacher association, and start to go to these school boards, and like one comrade said, even get to the point that we can start yanking our children out of these schools that condition our children to be subservient and to condition our children to be tools within a system that will never give them the proper uh, material or the proper training to be competitors. We will always give them just enough to work for someone, just enough to be that top nigga, but never enough to be that head nigga. So we have to start controlling the curriculum in our schools that teach a history of self-worth, that teach a history of self-determination and self-sufficiency, that teach a history that says that you can, that you did come from strong people, that you did come from achievers and people that accomplished, and that that is in your DNA. It's in your very makeup. It's in your genetic code. We see it every day like you see people that look like their fathers and act like their fathers walk like their fathers or their mothers and look like their fathers or their mothers or whatever the case may be, that's in our very genetic makeup. The pyramid builders, the kings and the king, queens, the astrologers, the astronomers, the farmers, the scientists, the mathematicians, the mechanics, the technicians, you name it, we did it all. And just general good people in the village. Just general good people in the village. Communalism. So it's in our DNA, but programming has made us other than. And the programming goes so deep that the program, see, in order for something to do that, when you talk about programming, when I talk about these government programs, I'm just just not talking about welfare, food stamps, Section 8. That's not the only government program I'm talking about. I'm talking about the very program that teaches you to act other than your true natural self. Your true natural self, your true nature shouldn't be to hate someone that looks like you someone that's going through the same experience that you're going through. This is incredible. Your true natural self should never do that. Talk about these these programmers. We have been so programmed and so overwhelmed and bombarded by other realities and other perspectives that not only have we lost our mind, but we lost our sense, our moral compass. That's what I'm talking about here, brothers and sisters, your moral compass. And your moral compass may not be everyone's moral compass. But we've lost our moral compass. So anyone who's ever had a compass and knows when it loses magnetation, when it stops being magnetized, when it no longer points to a, a north, you know, magnetized, it, 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 it goes everywhere. The hand just spins, and this is what that, this is what we're emulating. 
we're on the like whatever programming the government puts out, whatever programming people put out, we jump on it. It sounds reasonable. We've been conditioned to hear it from a standpoint that it sounds reasonable, but understand that we're hearing it from a position of insanity. We're hearing it from a position of insanity. We're hearing it from a position that is unrealistic to the survival and advancement as you as an individual and us as a people. Because there is no individual African here in America or worldwide throughout the diaspora without the advancement of Africans everywhere. There isn't. And people have gotten that. We have to step up the game, brothers and sisters. We have to step up the game. We have to, everything we do, we should ask ourselves, is this for our betterment? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Even if it's going after anyone. If I'm attacking a person and I don't care what ethnicity, I don't care what gender, what religion or whatever, if I'm attacking that person, then even in my attack, I should ask myself, what are my motives? Why am I on the, <clears throat> excuse me, the offensive? Why am I attacking? But we're so angry and frustrated. We're so disgusted and fed up that everything is a fight. Everything is a fight. It's easier to fight. It's easier to be angry. It's easy to lose our mind and lose control and just to hate, 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 hate. But trying to practice the power of love, trying to practice the power of inclusion, trying to practice the power of tolerance, trying to practice the power of compassion, practicing the power of patience. That's revolutionary. Those are revolutionaries. See, we didn't took it and got it twisted. I know I'm on my soapbox, man. I'm just rapping. I'm not going to do a lot of yelling and stuff today, man. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired. I did a lot of traveling today. You know, I've been in the South. I've seen some conditions. You know, this is, this is what's amazing because I just came from a metropolitan area being in a major city. Now I'm down here in the south, and it, if it ain't the damn same conditions, different buildings. Neglect, plight, poverty, ignorance, despair, hopelessness. Our people that gave up. Our people that gave up. And I'm not mad at them because it's hard to continue a fight when you don't know what you're fighting against. When everything's fighting you and you don't know what you're fighting against. You just know that you're being attacked, but you don't know how the attack is coming, why you're being attacked. Because that's the secret of the sneaker. That's why it's called a sneak attack. You're being attacked, and we don't even know that we're being attacked. And a lot of the attack is starting with ourselves. A lot of the attack is starting with ourselves because we have been taught to hate ourselves. We have been taught that to stick together is a bad thing. We have been taught that that is a bad thing. And for those of us that haven't been taught that it is a bad thing, we've been taught that it is an impossible thing. Niggas can't stick together. We have been taught that that is impossible, that we can't come together. And we eat it up, and we repeat it. 
in our everyday sayings. When I was talking to a comrade today, and that's one of the things we were talking about, how we perpetuate that lie and push it to our children. When we holler, niggas ain't shit. This is why niggas can't do that. This is why niggas can't do that. And the children hear this. And what do you think the children, what race do you think the children belong to? And then we wonder why these young sisters get blonde hair and blue eye contacts. Why our young men start to become homosexual. Because niggas ain't shit. Why be a nigger? We wonder what's happening, this phenomenon that is taking place. Why are young women are loving young women? Because we've begun to attack the black man. We've begun to talk about their fallacies and their corruptness and what they can't do. We're not the only ones that can't do anything in this boat alone. As a black man, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm perfect. But I'm saying there's other ethnicities that, damn, I can't take an attack from my people and be attacked from outside people too. How can I survive that? How can I expect to overcome that? That I got my people attacking me, my brothers, my women attacking me as a black man. And I have outside forces attacking me, as seen in the picture in Chicago with that predominantly all white. I think it was two people of African descent in that police thing. And you, I mean, can you? They were niggas because they put on a uniform of the uh, enemy agency and practice repression against a peaceful protesting, violating within their very rights. Let me digress and say this: with even in their constitution, violating their First Amendment right to freedom of assembly even in their constitution. So how do we think that we're going to get, you can't go to a criminal with his laws. That's why by the very nature they're called criminals. They break the law. They break the law. Law is only enforced by power. The only reason that they have the laws and the legislation is because they have the agencies to enforce those legislations. If they didn't have police, they have the army, how many of their laws would you abide by? Ask yourself that, brothers and sisters. If they didn't have the force or the agencies to enforce these very laws, how many of these laws would you abide by? And yet we go to the criminal thinking that we can find some type of restitution, some type of uh, solace, some type of peace under their laws. We're only deceiving ourselves until we start to build and develop power. And we have the power. We just are unorganized. It's an unorganized power. You don't think you have the power? Look in your community store right now. Go to the store. Who runs the store? It's a foreign. He knows the power of your dollar better than you do. And he knows our blindness and our lack of identity. So what he does, he makes a mockery. He puts his hat on to the side and throws on his gold chain and go to talk and bebop and have slick to your black ass. And, yes, you know, just, just my nigga, just man, we think it's cute and funny. And he's steady clocking dollars, but when he closes that store and locks that store and puts the bars on that store and pulls down that metal gate on the store and goes back to his community when he tosses that baseball cap in the back seat and takes off those gold chains and those gold fronts in his damn mouth and goes and then he's a bebop, talking his language, going to his temple, paying dues in his community. He's had baby and you. Yes, baby. Yes, calling our women babies. Have slick our baby. When you see his woman in one of the stores, and if you see his women in one of the stores, talk slick to him. See if he don't blow your damn brains out. Oh no, you niggas won't talk slick to their women. Let them talk to our women any kind of way. 
and our women falling for shucking and jiving and laughing and giggling in this foreigner's face. Come on, I don't see color. He see color. He see a... I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there because it's too real. It's too real for many of us. See, we don't like to face the realities. We like to hide behind other things. We like to make excuses, but we don't want to face the reality, and the reality of those things that affect us every day. That's the reality. See, real and truth, that's relevant. What do I mean by relevant? What do you mean, Brother Yang, about when you say it's relevant? Good and bad is relevant. It all depends how it affects you. Good and bad is relevant. What's good for me is not good for any other people a lot of times, especially and particularly this Caucasian man. And what's good for him hasn't been good for me. Our gods aren't the same God. I don't care if you're Muslim, I don't care if you're Christian or whatever. You can call them by the same name, but it ain't the same God because there's not the same outcome or the same result. A name, a rose by any other name is the same. I don't care what you call them. You can call them stone on the hill. You can call them babubala. It's the results. So the God is only real when those results that manifest from that particular entity or that particular thing that you're calling on become real in your life and become relative in your life. Nobody else's truth can't be my truth. That is their truth. Your truth isn't my truth. That's your truth. So the programs that they hand in us, the only way that they work to our detriment is that we allow them to work to our detriment. That we give these things power, the power that manifests within you, the revolutionary understands. This is why the revolutionary says what? Power to the people. The power not, he didn't say power to the system, power to socialism, power to communism, power to Islam, power to Christianity. He says power to the people. The power resides in you. You are the power. You empower the system that you participate in. I don't care what system you call it. It's only powered through people power. So the power resides within yourself. So these programs, they can give us the programs, but when you have that moral compass, when you have that compass of black liberation, when you have that compass of looking at it from a standpoint of freeing yourself, then that program doesn't become a program of detriment but becomes a program of self-determination. It becomes a program of productive, constructive change. It doesn't become a handout but a hand up. It becomes something that to utilize for the advancement of an African people. But that change must start within ourselves. Start within ourselves. This is your chairman, Yang and Krumah People's Black Panther Party. Independent Black Talk Radio. If you like to comment, press one. I open your mic. We'll listen and you can share with us on what you think of the topics. It's about government programs, but we're just kind of kicking it today. It's a laid back Monday. We're doing our thing just rapid. Because my travels today, just seeing the things today, I realize that it's not any specific geographical location. Like I said, I just came from a metropolitan city. I just came out of a city area, now down in the in, in, in the south, and it's the same condition. 
the same condition, which dawned on me and helped me to realize that it is the programming, that this is not by happenstance, that these things that we face and that we go to are intentional, deliberate attacks against a black people, against the people of African descent right here in America. You can't convince me otherwise. You can't convince me otherwise. I don't believe I'm just one of the masses of the people who happen to get caught up in bad luck. I'm just one of the many faces that happen to get caught up in some type of bad luck. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. There are too many things happening to people of African descent back to back to back to back for it to be coincidence, especially if you say that we're a minority. Damn. That's you talking about, if that if it is, you're talking about some unlucky people. You're talking about some unlucky people. Let's go to our phone lines. I believe this is Dr. Justice. Dr. Justice, your mic is open. Uh, Black Power, sir, it's good to hear you back on the radio once again, uh, giving your knowledge and your take on what's happening. Uh, I was listening to you uh, speak about uh, what happened in uh, Chicago. I saw that video as well. And, I mean, it was just an outright travesty. And then when I'm reading some of the uh, bylines of what actually took place, they were telling them things like every time we see your flag, just like you said, every time we see your flag, we sick of seeing your flag. And, you know, and then they charged them with aggravated battery. And a lot of the uh, leadership is still locked up. Um, I was trying to see if I could get somebody because, you know, the blackout on this is incredible. Like, why haven't we heard anything? You know, we need to know there should have been a press conference. Something should have happened. But um, as far as I know, what they generally start telling people is um, don't say anything because they're still in court. You know, that's the big the big trick where you can't even they – don't, they don't want folks to talk. Um, but as far as does this feed into uh, programs that, that, that they give to us? Is this the reason why? Well, I, I assume that if programs was the reason – for apathy, those folks would not have been out there from the beginning. Um, I think that the programs that we that 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 are given by the government um, are are uh, should be given to the people. Um, we talk about black folks being lazy because of programs, but we forget about all the white programs that we don't know anything about. Where white folks are getting money, they're getting um, you know certain forms of health and welfare and things we don't know too much about whatsoever. And just to give an, um, an uh, illustration, I've worked uh, with the developmentally disabled population, and for lack of a better name, uh, our individuals that are retarded. Um, what I found when I was working with that community, what I found was that they give our children behavioral, uh, behavioral uh, programs wherein they get these individuals support programs. Uh, they go into group homes. I can't tell you how many group homes I've seen uh, these white individuals in who have killed their whole family, setting fires, uh, who are pedophiles and are now in the community who actually um, work in the stores, and uh, they have people that stand there and watch them. But they will not allow this for our own children. And I just said that to say that there are programs that white people get that we know absolutely nothing about. So does that make them dependent? Does that make them um, um, full of apathy? No, it just makes them keep it a secret. And with us, they just give us, uh, they give black folks things to, 
to, to take it away. Or you don't see it at all. You won't get it whatsoever. So, again, you know, I just wanted to give my take on that. Um, I'm really believing that something needs to be done about that travesty. I don't know how many people actually saw that, but it was absolutely horrible. And they weren't fighting, and the police were just mobbing them. So, um, again, brother, it's good to have you back on the air. And I'm going to listen for a while right now. But, again, you know, our programs, man, there's so many programs that we don't know anything about that's actually giving away free stuff, Black Power. Black Power, thank you definitely for that contribution. And you're absolutely right. And, no, it doesn't It doesn't aid to a sense of apathy for um, other ethnicities, and particularly I'm talking about Caucasian white people, because the system is designed to empower and to advance them. So they're coming at it from a standpoint of white privilege. They're coming, that's when we go back, when I talk about this moral compass, when I talk about this subjectivity, looking at things from a subjective position and looking at it from a position of African empowerment, black empowerment, black advancement, black liberation. See, they're looking at it from, they don't, they're looking at it from just that standpoint, white privilege. Hey, you know what, this is a hand up, got these programs, put out people. So when we start looking at it from that, it isn't the program in itself. Like I told you, the revolutionary, when we say all power to the people, we don't say power to the program, power to the institution, all power to the Black Panther Party. We say power to the people. That power resides and lies within the individual. So when the individual gets in a program and the individual looks at that program and completes that program or participates in the program from a position of black liberation, subjectivity, from a position of black liberation perspective, then the program takes on a whole connotation, a whole new connotation. It takes on a whole new a, a whole new life. And this is what, you know, what we're saying about. When we're saying that when we get our food stuff, if we go back to communalism and we're getting, and this is just an example, you know, or something to do. When we go back, if we get stamps or aid on that, if we start developing pantries, if we start teaching um, proper nutrition and start teaching the, the things in cooking classes so that our young women and our young mothers who don't know how to cook stop getting all the zoom zooms and wham whams and sugar puffs and cocoa honey boos and yum yums and yap yaps and sending their babies to school on all of this sugar. And I know, listen, sisters, I know y'all mad. Call in and yell at Yang if you want to. But, you know, a spade is a spade. And if I can't rap real to my people, then who's going to do it? And we're sending our children to school on all of this stuff, and then our children are bouncing off the walls, and we wonder why they want to give our children medication because we've gotten away from just the basic food groups, proper nutrition. You'd be surprised how many children in the, in the urban ghettos and in rural south and places I went to suffer from malnutrition in one of the so-called richest countries in the world due to poor nutrition, lack of nutrition, and the, excuse me, and the poisons in our community from the restaurants and the food deserts, the lack of Nutrition in our grocery stores, things that we don't address, real-life essential things. So when the education becomes proper from a, um, from a perspective of empowering us, then these programs become empowering programs. See, that was the whole point of the program. Like I said, when we talk about the third development and we talk about Huey and them, I think a lot of us as Panthers and these various formations, they get caught, they run their food projects, not programs, as Chief War so adequately explained that one day, wonderfully explained it. They run these projects 
these social band-aids with these food, and they think that that's the be-all, do-all. They think that that's what made the third development Panthers, whom a lot of people call the original Panthers, that's what made them was the program, but they're not looking at what went behind the program, what really was the driving, motivating force of the program, what scared and shook the foundation of the government, and it was the ideology. It was the ideology. It was the message of self-determination. It was the message that you can practice self-sufficiency as a people. It was the message, and not just the message, but the practice of, the actual practice of communalism. The community donating the foodstuffs, the community coming out and participating in cooking and things like that for the children. It was the actual practice of that. So when the government saw that, the government, then we say, well, the government took those programs. It wasn't a program, just them hijacking the programs. It was the ideology. They took away our independence and started to teach our children a dependency. It eroded the very base of the uh, Third Development Black Panther Party. It began to erode the very base, and amongst other things, let me tell it. But that was one of that was one of the things that when they not only did they duplicate the program, but they began to change the ideology of self sufficiency, of nationalism, of doing for yourself to an all inclusive melting pot. That hey, you know what? We're going to look out for you. Are United States citizens, and you have a right, and we're going to look out for you. And we bought into this hype, and we bought into this dream. While the of 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 this all inclusion, and hey, the government's changing. They're feeding us now, and this and that shit. You throw a starving man a steak, he thinks he's a ride. But while he's eating steak, you got lobster, shrimp, and steak, and potatoes. You have moved on. We were so depraved and deprived of just the very basic essentials to a comfortable life that when they threw us some materialism and some consumer and let us spend our little dollars with them and let us dress like them and let us ride an automobile and move in uh, some of their communities, we thought we had arrived. And all the while they're practicing white flight. They're moving out of that community. They don't even want to be in that community no more. They're building private schools. You can have that school. We'll build private schools. We'll start to fund the schools ourselves. You see what I'm saying? They begin to build gated communities. They practice self. They practice self-sufficiency. They practice a separatism. They practice a nationalism. Go in your cities when you go. Listen, in your cities, in your upscale cities across the railroad tracks, where those white people live, that everybody think that we all kumbaya and hold hands. See if they don't practice a voluntary voluntary segregation. Which a voluntary segregation is what separation. They got gated communities. And the only nigga you see in that community is the nigga at the gate. Let me see some ID. What do you, what do you want here? That's the only black man. They got private schools. They got their own restaurants. They got whole cities that belong to them. And here we go, want to cool my y'all, and we get mad because they won't let us sit in their restaurant and eat with them. And we, discrimination. I can't spend my dollar and get a biscuit from the white man. And we want to call it discrimination. Hell, let them have that. Build you a nice, gated community. Build you some things that represent and reflect you and your people that attest to your greatness and your achievements. Be a contributor to society. This is what I'm saying. We have to stop begging. The only thing that makes anything a handout is the mentality. That's the only difference between a handout and a hand up. 
is the mentality. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, he'll eat forever. That's all in the mentality. Huh, 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 huh. You keep saying terrible, man. That's why I say us as the people's Black Panther Party, we're not the Red Cross. What, do, what y'all Panthers doing? No, brother, what we doing? What do you mean, what y'all Panthers? There you go. What y'all Panthers doing? Nigga, what you doing? They killing you too, black man, black woman. So we're just saying that we're concerned citizens of an African mindset, that we're concerned human beings for the condition of people of African descent, for we, that we want to end to the intentional and deliberate hindrance of the natural evolution of African people. I'm not a superhero, brother. I'm one of the masses of people, like you're one of the masses of people, but we understand that all power to the people that collectively, communally, we can get more accomplished than individually. I'm not here to save you. I'm here to save us. We, what are my comrades telling me? We have to stop having an us and them mentality. It has to be a we. We, us, together, all is one. No separation. We have to do this. And that's what they understand. Why do you think that they threw race in there? Race in there because was to disguise the classism. You see what I'm saying? That's why I say that, you know, I understand my communist brothers are saying it's all a class struggle. Yes, to a degree, but race was in there to disguise the class as fact. Why? Because you can have the poor white trash, and what he will say at the end of the day is, thank God I'm white. Thank God I'm white. You can be a rich black man and talk to a poor white trash, and he'll look at you like you're crazy because he's white. How dare you, nigger? He will look at you like you're crazy. You can have all the money in the world, white privilege a white identity, a sense of self-worth based on his ethnicity. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. He should have some self-worth for himself. We're the ones that buy into this black inferiority. You have self-worth for yourself. I have self-worth for myself also. And when we understand that, then two men can meet at the table. I can meet you, Mr. White Man. You can meet. But if I got to be a white boy, if I got to bow down, if I got a cow tie, if I got a shuck and dance, if I got to be afraid to wear a hoodie because I might get murdered, if I got to be afraid to get pulled over in a common traffic stop, if I can be stopped and frisked for no other reason than my skin complexion, if I can be discriminated against just walking down the street and profiled and target for no other reason than my skin complexion, then there is no equality there. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying there can't be no equality there. That's oppression in the highest degree. That's domestic terrorism. And domestic terrorism must stop. Like the sister was saying, went to the place with the um, brothers and sisters in Chicago. Went to the place with the brothers and sisters in Chicago. was a travesty. That type of thing has to stop, and only through our working together collectively will it ever stop. It's not hate. It's not hate. It's realistic. Only when we start getting and, and graduating from, listen, we went through eras of reaction. We've protested. We've tried integration. We have begged to integrate. Oh, we begged. We got our butts beat, stomped. Please look at your history. Look at your history. And we're so sick with it. Let me tell you how sick of people get. We're so sick with it. We brag on that aspect of history. Yes, I was there. I got beat at the counter. They wouldn't let me spend my dollar for that biscuit, and I took that blow, damn it. I let them beat my ass, but I bet you I got my biscuit. 
And he got your dollar. He got two for one. He got to beat you up and you paid him for it. So we bet we've tried that. Now it's time to try to start to build. And we, and, and we begin to see, and let me tell you how we know that our revolution, when our revolution was launched, when, our, when we begin to wage our revolution that we were on the right track, because they developed a whole program to stop it. See, people don't develop programs to stop something they're not concerned for. So they developed a whole program to stop it. And we can say that, oh, we're blaming the white man. Oh, we, you doing this, you doing that. The white man said we must stop the rise of a what? Black Messiah. He said that. He said that. He said he must. He put race into the issue. He put that it must be the intentional and deliberate stopping, bringing it to, a, a, a cease to, a halt to, the galvanizing and the unifying. We must stop anyone that can electrify the black masses and getting them to come together. That's what he said. That's his fear. So how in this day and time are we biting into that? We should know that he fears the coming together because you and I, people of African descent here in America, have been the very fabric, have been the backbone, have been the blood, have been the oil that greases the cogs of this machinery called the United States of America to keep it going, and we still do through unaccountable spending. Through our lack of participation in our own self-determination, through our yearning and wanting to be so equal to and included and, and, and equated to them that we would even that we would even go to the point of turning on our own and not forgiving our own. That's how deep this sickness has run, and it's so deep that we don't even at this particular time perceive it as a sickness. Listen, I didn't either. Not sitting here saying that. I'm, I'm saying that this was an evolutionary process that Chairman Carl, like Brother Carl, will teach us. He talks about revolu- revolutionization. It's like baptism that you have to be revolutionized, that you have to go through a process, that you have to begin to cleanse yourself from the impure and filthy thoughts of imperialism and neocolonialism and the things that have taught you to hate yourself and the things that we have um, learned to feed our perverse and the base desires from the substances that we eat to the things that we take in our body. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying you got to walk around here and be no Buddhist monk. But we do have to be realistic, and we have to start to judge things, begin to judge things, and it starts as simple as saying, hey, you know what? My moral compass is black liberation, black freedom. That's my moral compass. I'm going to judge everything by that. Every book I read. When I read the Quran, when I read the Bible, when I read U.S. Today, when I watch the news, I'm judging it from, I'm listening from a black liberation perspective. How does this affect me? How does this affect my people? What is meant by this? But I'm listening for all of those things. When I begin to eat foods, is this destroying my body? Is this, what is this doing to me? When I begin to do certain things, do I need to do this in moderation? How is this affecting me that eventually and in the long run will affect the outcome of black liberation for myself and for my family and for our people? Don't think that they're not doing that. Listen, someone sent me a picture of this white woman. She's catching a lot of flack. She said that white people must start having more babies. And this is what they do. They get on there and they look from things from a white privileged perspective. 
when they said obesity was affecting them and this was affecting white people, now go in any of your urban areas or go anywhere. They're at the gym. They're running down the street. You see the commercials. The Cheerios are good for your heart now. People got they got all kind of heart monitors. They jogging. Some of these white boys will whoop y'all niggas' ass. Run up on them if you want to because they're in shape. They're jogging. They begin to look at things from a white, continuous, white, privileged perspective. And they start to take care of themselves. They start to do things that will continue their race. And there's nothing wrong with that. So when it comes to you and I, why do we find such problems with that? Why do we begin to hate that? And that's the real deal. Let me go to my um let's go to the let's go to the mics. Open up the mics. Chairman Kaha. Your mic is open. Black power. Black power. Uh I just got in the house and I listening to you give a talk, I should say a teaching on racism and it is important. Uh, the Honorable Marcus Messiah God said he was a race man, but that didn't mean that he was white supremacist. Uh, white supremacist means that uh, I'm dominant over everything that the Creator had created. Uh, everybody is a race person. The Chinese love the Chinese. Native America love the Native America. The Africans love the Africans. And that's why they fight to keep the elimination and the genocide of a race of people who is our ancestors and which we came from. So Malcolm, and everybody said, especially when Malcolm traveled African and everything, he said his priority is our people, but he's not going to teach hatred. And that is what white supremacy does. And you articulate that so beautiful. That I have nothing against white folks loving white folks, but when you become to the point where you begin to hate anybody and everybody else, then that become a problem. That become a big problem. Uh, when I raised up in the fifties and going to school down south in Florida and going to the schools, I found a secret. One of the reasons they didn't really want us to integrate because they didn't really want us to know how ignorant they was. See, they used that white skin like they walking around like Jesus and Mary, Moses and Joseph. But when we got in their schools, we find out that half of them could read or write. They didn't wash their hand when we were in the bathroom. They didn't flash the commode. They were nasty. They had bugs in their hair. They were stinky. And when you study history, half of the, the, those diseases that indigenous people got came from them because they didn't bathe. Half of the Union Army died from disease because they didn't bathe. And we know when the Moors went in Spain, they introduced the bath houses so they can wash themselves. So when they say they're white supremacists, that means that you got an inferiority complex, that you got to find some kind of way and make other nationalities feel that you're greater than them. We the one, like you said, invented the things that they're living by, the light, the cotton gin, the blood plasma, 
I can go on down the line. We was the one that created that, and when they integrated us, our institution was destroyed. Our scientists was destroyed. Our children that were born as genius was destroyed. We the one came up with the schools, the states. We the one came up with all of that. But they're not going to teach you that. Why? Because a person that is inferior got to do everything to prove that he or she is superior. And that's when you find out a humble man and a righteous man and a humble woman, a righteous woman that understand who they are, they can walk through the earth with their head up knowing who they are. But a man who is afraid and don't know who they are, they are called bullies because the bullies are afraid of you because of your intellect. Mm-hmm. And this is what they know, that they know that you and I, are genius. And I'm just right. showing you from the capitalist from the capitalist point of view, when Obama was in the White House, Donald Trump is fixated on Obama so much because the madness that he's doing is one in the White House. And so now his own racists begin to see him and say, Well hold a minute. We ain't never had that much confusion when that brother was in the White House. To the point he denied mm-hmm. the brother even was born, you know. So when we deal yeah. with racism, racism is one thing, but when you deal with white supremacy, and that's what we had dealt with in the 60s when we got brothers to the point where they got into black supremacy, where mm-hmm. they no longer became who they are, they became a reflection of that 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 that, that they were trying to destroy Right, and, and I always say this. Oh, definitely, because if you put a cup of poison on the table, and this European come to drink from that poison, and he fall dead, and you come in the house and see him on the floor dead from drinking that poison, then you'll get that same cup and think you're immune from it. You drink exactly. that same poison, there's going to be two black ass on the floor, one white yep. and one black. Because yep. it's poison, it's poison. So mm-hmm. this, is both, why, uh, this is why the teaching that you was given is so deep because the Panther movement had never been a, a black supremacist movement. This is why slogan mm-hmm. were always all power to the people. Right. And and that cleared right. us from even being a racist. We saying that the righteous and oppressed people have a right to struggle and stand up. And so that's what that it's all that about. made it clear. Yes, sir. And so when brothers uh, come into the party, sister come into the party, and they come in with this, oh man, hate, hating whitey, hating this. No, we hate racism. We hate. White supremacy, we hate imperialism, we hate capitalism, we hate injustice. That's right. That's and right. that's what we and have that's to what think. About, and I'm, go ahead. I'm that's sorry. right. No, no, but but you have made it clear, man, because when I went to those schools, not only yeah. we was the greatest in the science class, in 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 the math class, we were the greatest athletes. We were greatest in the home uh, 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 economics. 
greatest in the uh, working in the uh, the shops. We knew how to build. We knew how to cook. Right. We, and that's what right. that's where the that's where the enemy jealousy come from. And I'm gonna end this by saying this: we we cook for them, we nourish them from our breath, and we also when the South was kicking their behind, they organized you and I to take the South. It ain't had nothing to do with no union. It had something to do with brothers and sisters was mad the way that they've been treating. That's and right. uh, so so when we talk about, oh, man, white supremacy, that is an excuse for your inferiority. That's it. And so That's we it. have to understand that. But, uh, yeah, guess what, man? Brothers bite into that, man, and they really think that uh, uh, you could be standing on the corner talking with a brother, a white boy come up and get in the conversation, and he done stole your whole conversation because he come in there yep. with that white skin. Because they come in that, in that white privilege. And this is one of the things that we're talking about, and I appreciate that, Chairman Carr. I definitely appreciate that, the input. Um, and this is what we're talking about, you know, and the, and, and the only way that white supremacy works is when we start to adapt a black inferiority complex, you know. And Come on now. To That's right. Black inferiority complex is to start to bite into. See, that white supremacy works because they keep us divided. And they don't That's want right. you to, they would rather us to emulate criminal behavior, bad behavior, bad practices, and those things, instead of the behavior of unification and building institutes that that mm-hmm. are that are that are geared towards our advancement and our empowerment. Mm-hmm. And so when you find brothers and sisters like you and I speaking along those lines, then we're called racists. Mm-hmm. We're called haters mm-hmm. of, of, of other ethnicities and nationalities. We're called some of the mm-hmm. most ridiculous and absurd things because we're talking about um unification. You know, I've never understood mm-hmm. this is why I say that I've never understood how we can rally for every cause in the world. Which and we should as revolutionaries, listen, as revolutionaries, we are anti oppression. We should be against oppression. Right. Wherever you find it. Right. But we can rally we can rally for and to be anti oppression against every cause in the world, but when it comes to our cause, then we don't even add the legitimacy to our own cause. We belittle and downgrade how serious our cause is from the histor- from a historical perspective, from a social cultural perspective, from an economic perspective, we belittle our own salvation and working with our own people and fighting for our own independence and we'll fight for everybody else. We'll fight for everybody else. I have never understood it. It is the wildest thing. Let's go back to our phone lines because we got people coming in. This is your um this is your host Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party, Independence Black Talk Radio. We go to our phone lines and six seven eight one three seven three. Your mic is open. Greetings. This is Khadija in Atlanta. How are you? Good, Sister Khadija. How about yourself? Good. This is a, a very wonderful program. Something that's very near and dear to my heart, especially speaking about policies. In the programming, um, I work in an industry that thrives on putting band-aids on these types of situations. So it gets 
sad. And um, not to play devil's advocate because I don't play, and the devil needs no advocate, but you're asking people to basically turn from the hand that is literally feeding them. You know, when you talk about letting go of policies and programming and moving away from programming, you're talking about a, a people that have nothing, you know. There's all different types of people in this us frame, and it ranges, and the range goes very, very low. Now, African Americans aren't the only poor people out there, but right now that's my reality. I'm African American. I'm a woman. I see the children. I see the other women, my sisters, that are caught up in this matrix and you're asking them to let go of the very thing that feeds them. And there has to be something else to hold on to. Because these programs, they're set up just to give you enough, not to thrive, not to have any level of independence or even hopes and dreams of getting ahead of yourself. They're just set up to survive. In order for them to really let this go, because this has fed them and their mothers, and sometimes their grandmothers, they have to have something else to hold on to. It's not as simple as uh, I heard this weekend, well, just work hard. It's not that easy when you don't know even how to fill out job applications, when there aren't jobs in your community, when you don't have a car to drive outside of your community to get a job, when you don't have consistent child care. You know, there's so many things that are tied into the program. It's not as simple as, I'm going to plant me some vegetables, you know. So I wanted to know, rather than the idea of letting go of these programs or even continuing in their current existence, what is what else is there? What else is the middle ground? What can we give these women, our sisters and brothers? And, you know, the brothers are totally left out. The brothers are forced to live from house to house, whether it's mother, whether it's different women or anything, because the brothers aren't even included in the programming of maintaining the house. They're in the program of maintaining prisons. So, you know, there's not even a program for the men in our community. Their program is jail. So, you know, what is the in-between? Okay. Um, I'll start joining that. Yeah, let me, I'm gonna start it off though, Chairman Carr, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna save it for last because we got a caller want to come. But um, you definitely want to want to thank you for that contribution, um, and that input. This is what I say, and I'm gonna and I'll be brief, just to reiterate what I've been saying before that it's not so much with me, it's not so much the program, but it is the what we use as our subjective standpoint. Black liberation. If the program, if you get in a program and the program is used for the liberation of your people. If the program is used for advancement and empowerment, then that program is no longer a program of detriment but a program of determination. And and what I'm saying, and this is one of the things that we focus on on the People's Black Panther Party. We're trying to stay away from a lot of reactionaries. So we have in, intense leadership with um, Chief War, our Chief of Staff, National Chief of Staff, Brother War. He has these classes that on um, skill, leadership skills of de- development, aptitude tests, and things of that nature because we're la- launching a massive um, educational program to begin to revolutionize the, the mindset of brothers and sisters so that they will start to get this, start to understand, and start to have a yearning 
for self-determination. So when they get these programs, when they when we do get in these programs, it's not a program of dependency. It's not a program of just waiting for the next check or the next thing to happen, but they're actually utilizing it to try to advance themselves. Chairman Garma, I'm going to come right to you. Let's get this. Let's get this because I see um, Minister Justice was holding, and then we're going to go straight to you, Chairman Carr. Okay. Dr. Justice. Okay. Yes. Your mic is open. Yes. Uh, Black Power family, I'm so glad that the sister asked that question. Uh, you know yourself, brother, uh, brother Chairman, we have a program, uh, Liberating Young Minds. And within this program, what we do is um, we, we, teach, we give uh, we provide a nutritional uh, meal. We do drum circle. Uh, we provide historical uh, information to our young people as well as ancestral um, information. Now, the reason individuals believe that the reason for the program when they first come in is this, uh, what actually happens is that we then start allowing the parents to take over the program wherein the food is prepared by one parent or another uh, so that uh, now you have a, a thriving after-school program that doesn't ask for money from anybody. However, the first time they hear black power, they want to take their kids back to over to, the, to a program, a government-funded program. Um, also, we, also we, we were telling them about how to be able to pool their money and their resources to be able to put together a food pantry. And 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 when the, when you don't have food, you'll be able to come to this place if you pull your money together. You know, cooperative living, cooperative living, communal living is is what will replace uh, government programs. The fact of the matter is that um, I don't know if anybody is watching Facebook because you'll see our program floating around on on different people's pages. They'll put it on their pages like that's their program, but it is a program started by the People's Black Panther Party, and it is a program that will um, support and benefit itself as well as the people, and it's based on communalism. So I wanted to say that that's a very, very important part. Uh, and the men are the men are very, uh, they really don't want to come into a place where there's children and women. So that's our task, you know, to be able to uh, deal with the men in that respect. However, um, I'm glad that question was asked because that's exactly how it works, by allowing everybody to take part in a program that actually belongs to them, Black Power. Black Power, Black Power. well put. We thank you for that contribution, Dr. Justice. Chairman Kahar, you know, and then we still got some callers. Every call in queue, I see you, National Chief of Staff, War, I believe I see you, and we're going to go to um, Chairman Kahar, but I will get to you. Chairman Kahar, your contribution. One is... And I agree with uh, Sister Justice. The sister asked a good question, and I want to bring in something. I remember speaking at Cleveland State, and his brother kept jumping up in the audience, and he kept shouting, interrupting me. He said, uh, Brother Kahar, tell them they're African people. And I kept on teaching. He kept jumping up. Brother Kahar, tell them they're African people. And then I had to shut him down. And he sat down, I said, Brother, when did you find out that you was an African? In other words, we didn't come out the womb with the mind that we have now. Mm -hmm. And that everyone has to be taught. Number one, the environment is the fertilizer. The mother and the fathers, the teachers and the elders, the revolutionaries are the farmers. So we got the crop, that crop. 
I didn't come out Abdul Kahar. I didn't come out a panther out that womb. I didn't come out a revolutionary black nationalist. But someone had to drop the seed on me. So when we look in the mirror, we're looking at what I am today, but what was I yesterday? So when you see your brothers and sisters, you see what you was yesterday. So now we have become elitist, and that is a culture that the uh, that the European uh, uh, has set up. Individualism, competition, opportunism, elitism, and materialism. We came out of the slave quarters, the projects, the ghettos, number one, with collectivism. That's why we had our own stores, cooperation, where we work with each other, humanism, where we had to respect each other, and we came out with spiritualism, and they had materialism. They are not spiritual. So when I look at myself, my name was Ben Simmons. My name was Junebug. I was thug and a gangster. I organized a polo game that ran, ran hell down there until an elder came and dropped the seed. So I'm saying that when we look at our people, you're looking at yourself. You, you ain't come out the womb, a chairman, a justice, a MOD, a minister of education. You came out like every other baby came out. You laid in that womb for a period of time. You developed and you came out. But there was luck that somebody around that developed and brought you into who you are. And that's, how, that's who we are. We're the mothers and fathers of our community. And so we have to do the teaching. And I say it again. None of us came out of that womb talking about Marcus Garvey, Noah Drew mm-hmm. Lee, Hugh and Newton. I can go down the line. We came out like every other child, but there was somebody that was in the community who was the keeper of the community. And we have to have patience and consistency. And That's with right. that, you're going to be old. You're going to get old, and it's a blessing because a lot of young people not getting old because they're killing each other. But that patience, that's what I said, that patience and that consistency, a farmer will plant a seed, and I end this. This real. A a farmer will go in the field and plant a seed, knowing that he might never eat from that crop, but he knows his children will. But if he don't plant the seed, nobody eats from it. So I'm saying that we we look for instant revolution overnight, and that's why a lot of brothers and sisters get frustrated they want to lead the movement because they think revolution is a process overnight. No. You do your work as a farmer, and I guarantee you have a crop. But if you don't do your work as a farmer, I guarantee you have weeds and poison ivory. Thank you. That's right. And don't know what you eat. Right on. <laughs> right on. That's right. right. Let's go to um, our national chief of staff, Chief Ward. Your mic is open. All right, Black Power family. Black Power Award. Hey, let me uh, just say this. I kind of just want to to just divert uh, divert a little bit and deal with the psychology behind what happens going into one of the questions that was posed. The deal is, is as black people, we understand that we have been taught to conquer and divide. I understand when it comes to warfare, the process of teaching a people to conquer and divide and the process of teaching them to replicate 
the process of being conquered and divide goes into the mentality that causes us to not understand what unity is and the effects of unity, whether they be good or bad. Since we are so conquered and divided in, in terms of our mentality, what that also means is we disassimilate, which is also viewed from the concept of hatred and, and victimization. As we disassemble something because we are divided, our thought process of how to unify and, and, and build a process or an institution, which is what we emphasize, is also dissected and uh, 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 broken apart. So as a people, subconsciously, we don't recognize our problems. And I say this to people all the time. If you are not able to identify a problem, then you can't develop a solution. And to this day, the majority of us do not take the time to develop think tanks and processes to put in place, which goes into building the institution, so that we can start the path down to building something versus dividing. See, the whole thing in terms of our status and where we're stuck, we're stuck on still destroying. We're stuck on taking apart. We're stuck on dividing, and that has to be undone. Before you can build, you have to be able to recognize the fact that you're stuck in a process of dividing. And going back to one of the things the sister said about you're, you're asking um, people to stop uh, dealing with the hand that feeds them. Well, go back into the mentality behind that. Right now, a hand is feeding us. That's, that's right there is a form of domestication. What we need to do is, is, again, go into the process of what it takes to feed ourselves. But before we can do that, it's a, it is a process. So we have to gradually work our way through being able to be liberated and, and, and to establish empowerment as a people. It's not an overnight thing. But what has to happen is we have to look at it from the, the multifaceted dynamics in which it's in because we have been conquered and divided in all aspects from whether it be our, our spirituality, whether it be our language, whether it be our thought process, whether it be our tribe, tribes, union, and land. So being that we are people that don't recognize land, and I'm talking about here in the United States and just us in our in diaspora period in terms of our value of land, when we don't reproduce and when we, we don't cultivate the land and utilize the resources so that we can develop ourselves, then we're, again, stuck in this, this backwards phase. When you're looking at the United States and the way it operates, it's operating from a world power. As a world power, technology defines that. And the race that we a lot of times uh, take for granted is, in terms of capitalism is the race for advancement. For a world power to stay a world power, it has to constantly stay at the cutting edge. And so the United States trained its people to basically be task-driven, and it does that through the process of, 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 of training the people to just define and do, do a specific task. So it compartmentalizes the way people operate. And only the CEOs and people of that, that are the, at the top tier are able to see the bigger picture because they're the only ones that's allowed and taught the bigger picture. Going back to what Chairman Kahar saying that you don't come out as a panther. Well, you don't come out as a leader as well. And so those things are taught to those people that decide that they all want to, want to stay in control of society. And what they feed the remainder and the rest of society is basically entertainment and give them just a crumb and a piece of the pie and make sure that they continue to only see the piece of the pie and not see the big picture. So 
the conquering and dividing aspect is a taught and a learned behavior from the very, very beginning of, of how we're introduced into the school system. We're taught to be self-divided. We're taught to sub and specialize and compartmentalize. Not only, only the true elite are allowed to, or, or should I say, project. And so going back to what we have to do as Panthers, recognizing that the problem to the, is identifying a problem versus the, the, the symptom. The problem is how do we have a worldview? How do we have a holistic view of where we need to get and how do we get there? So we have to develop institutions that work toward us getting to this position. And, that's, and that's, there's no shortcuts around that. And so the process has to take place on us doing that. And in the meantime, what we do is we establish our community programs to deal with the survival aspects, and we turn those into living programs. And those living programs take us from a transition of just being able to deal with the basic needs to being able to take care of ourselves. But it's a process, and that's what we're working on. Black power. Black power. Black power. Black power. Yeah, that was, that was wonderfully put. You know, and that sums it up in, in, in a nutshell, our whole program and our objective at the People's Black Panther Party, and that's what we're talking about. The end goal, we understand that revolution is exactly like Chief War said, it is a process, and that when we study revolution, most revolutions that were protracted struggles, that they were generational, that they were passed down, that it has to become something embedded in our culture. It has to be something that is such a part of our culture that our children understand the obligation and responsibility and the need for the continuation and constant fight for our liberation. Like you said, it goes into saying that a lot of our people, we've been so compartmentalized and programmed that the first thing is we don't know that we're not free. We don't know that we're being conditioned. It's like a ants, that we're, condi- we're being conditioned to perform one function. And when we're not performing that function, that we're being sidetracked by mere entertainment. I don't know if people understand the Roman history, but they had a thing called the 100 the, the hundred days of games. Rome was burning around them being invaded, poverty, everything was happening. And in order, what um, Caesar did in order to take their mind, one of the Caesars, I can't remember which one it was, in order to take their minds off of it, he threw 100 days of games. And they were in the Colosseums just cheering and watching the gladiators and the lions while the world was burning around them. And this is what you find, a lot of it is, is similar to what us as African people here are going to, we're so entertained that we don't understand the world is burning around us. We don't take the position in our manual and said that we want a true history that teaches the decadent society, the true nature of this decadent society and the black man's position in this decadent society, and not just nationally but internationally. We must have a world view of our position and how the world views us internationally. And this is going to take to graduate from the reactionary status that don't you've always heard me say that protest, there's nothing wrong, you know, attention and awareness needs to be drawn to a lot of the injustice being perpetrated upon black people here in America, but it can't just end there. After we're spent and exhausted from marching around the freeways and from chanting and waving picket signs and holding placards and things of this nature, what is the long-term goal? Are we starting to institution build? Do we have defense funds set up, like for the, the, the cats in Chicago that went through the thing that they went through? Do we have these things to start to uh, alleviate some of the burden, uh, burden in our immediate need for survival and that starts to program us to think long-term? 
and this is what, and it all goes back to me with starting, I say when they say all power to the people, that that power lies and begins within yourself. That you're the first person that that power starts with. And that everything, and to reiterate what I've, I've constantly been the recurring theme, what I've been saying on this program all along, that that moral compass has to be the advancement and the liberation of people of African descent. All things need to be judged by that. From your understanding of history, from your, uh, uh, when you go to the school, when you're medical, law, anything that you're doing should be judged from the perspective of how can I use this to advance my people. Not to get away from, not to individualize myself, but how can I use this to advance my people? And this is what, and once we start doing this, then I think that we'll start to get the meat of it. Let's go to the phone lines again. I'm going to open up uh, Chairman, uh, Brother Kyle, your mic's open. Yes, sir. Do you hear me? Yes, we hear you. Black Power. Uh, yeah, one uh, award uh, broke it down. What we are dealing with now, and it is beautiful, and once again, this is what I love about the teaching, and you, what I love about is one that example because you came out the house of the Panthers, and when we were set upon by the occupied army and the racist government in Louisville, Kentucky, the community took care of you. And see, you you are a witness, and that's what we have to have today. Witness that the people, when we sell power to the people, the people took your back. The people watch your back. The people, when you had to go find shelter, when the family was in an uproar, the people took you in because the community became the community became the family. The other thing is that what we got to look at. Ain't no way that the enemy, and you said it, and I want to keep it real, ain't no way in the enemy control zone, there are three zones, like we have the 3Ds, define, develop, and defend. There's also three zones, zone under enemy control, tested zone, and liberated zone. We are living in the middle. We're living in a contested zone. But we are allowed to pick it. We are allowed to have this radio program. We are allowed to do this because we're in the middle and we're moving towards the third, which is the liberated zone. But also the first zone is moving to control all that called zone under enemy control. Where they're getting ready to shut down the broadcast. They already declare us as enemies. They already declare us in terms of religion. They already Declares of our nationality as Africans. So, what they moving towards a liberated zone. Now, excuse me, a zone under enemy control. The thing that we have to teach our brothers and sisters too, and this is what we don't teach them. And I'm saying it now. When we talk about developing, we already had it way before that. We had Tuskegee Institution. We had Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. When we do get the institution, how do we defend the institution and think that the devil, yeah, I say the devil, and I'm not a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but I understand when you say the devil because that didn't come from here. That came from the slave. The slave said, you look like Jesus, but you act like the devil. And I'm saying 
this. In order for us to maintain these programs, we have to maintain a tight security because this enemy have a history of not allowing this to happen. Trump is making Nixon look like one of Jesus' disciples. He's making Bush look like one of Jesus' disciples because what this here racist, supremacist, Nazi, German, birth-born DNA cracker when they bring in is not just white supremacy, but bringing a fascist movement. His supporters already done set up formation to break up all those demonstrations anyway. So white folks going to be busting white folks here. When white folks start busting white folks here, the Honorable Marcus Garvey said when white folks start fighting white folks, that is the time when black folks really need to get down and organize. Because if they do that to one another, you know what they're going to do to you and I. That's what they did to the Quakers. That's what they did to the Mormons. That's what they did to the Underground Railroad. When they came and lynched their own, they burned you and I. They castigated you and I. They taught fellow you and I. If they're able to kill their own because they want to maintain white supremacy, you know what they'll do to you and I. So when we talk about land, the Republic of New Africa will tell you, they raided our headquarters in Jackson, Mississippi, and tried to kill mm. our president. You know what I'm saying? They raided but if we didn't have the people supporting us, we'd have been wiped out. The program without education is nothing. And that's why I made a statement earlier that the people have to understand where we came from. And I'm going to end this by saying this, and this is spiritual. Man, Jesus came from Nazarene, uh, which was Harlem and Cleveland and and, and uh, New Jersey and all those places, and uh, he was supposed to be who he was. Moses came from the same place and ended up being educated. And I like to ask a quiz. The quiz is, when, what, what, what's the name of the degree that most professors get in college? It's called what? PhD. What else? The big one. Masters. Your master's degree. Thank you. You said it right there. Master. Yes, your master's. Your master. Yeah, that you didn't talk. What about master? You are a yeah. good house Negro. Now you got your master degree. You ain't got your PED. You know, you you ain't got that that field thing. You got the master, and you a well taught, educated a uh, Negro. But the degree mm-hmm. that we get in the revolution movement is the degree that we get from our struggle and our learning every day in the spirit of our ancestors and uh, history. And so when we understand. And that, that we are spiritual war, and once we understand that we're spiritual war, then that moves forward. The other thing that you said about Rome, and you are you correct? When Rome was corrupted and burning down, the first thing that Caesar and all of them talk about, let's give them entertainment, let's give them sports. The sports became yeah. so strong that the people got caught up in sports with the gladiators that people were. For the uh, balcony, you coming in and America is across uh, America is across the Roman and the Greeks. 
this is why you have the femininity, this is why you have the so-called warriors and, uh, you know, the sports, and Cleveland got it bad. Because not only did we have Malcolm here battling a bullet, we got a cat here called King James. And yeah, Cleveland say that's yeah. Jesus. C- yeah. Come on now, man. You don't live here, yeah. man. And, 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 and I'm yeah. saying sports got all these Negroes, man. They don't forgot about ballot and the bullet. And uh, we fight not. Gentrification, yeah. gentrification is taking over the the uh, uh, African community here. They they moving us out so far that we have a saying now that Cleveland is gonna be known as ring around the collar. That ring around the collar gonna be Negroes or uh, ring around the inner city. Absolutely, absolutely. Goes back and goes back. The whole point of developing institutions and programs to see that to to be able to see that coming and to be able to head that off. You know, that's what we're not, that's what we, to, to graduate past, our whole goal, when we talk about the People's Black Panther Party, and it's not, we don't take the vainglorious road. It's not the most um, noted. It's not the most glorious. We don't have a lot of Facebook posts with us holding the rifles and looking very spiffy in our uniforms and things of that nature. But it is the tedious work. It's crossing the T's and dotting the I's. It's where about tactics and strategies, long-term visions. See, we can sit and we can get around and we can look, talk about the mass movements and what does African people have to do on a whole and if we did this and we did it. But no one takes, they say, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. When do we take that one footstep to begin to really galvanize the masses? And it's going to take that, and it's going to take that one. So this is what we do, and we understand that it starts with a education, but not just as like you go back and say, Chairman Carl, when we say master's degree, not just any education, not just having knowledge for the sake of having knowledge. A lot of us have fallen in love with knowledge. We like to be think that we're knowledgeable. And when we ask ourselves, okay, what's the end goal, though? You know all of these things, and you got it, but what are you trying to accomplish with all of that that you got? Is it to debate? Is it so someone to say that you're knowledgeable? I know I'm not the most knowledgeable person, but in the field that I strive and endeavor in, I try to be the most prolific and as knowledgeable as I possibly can to be effective. My more accomplished there again is that of black liberation and black advancement. And I didn't get here overnight. Like you were saying, Jim and like Chief Ward was saying, it's a process. You know, I went through the various schools of thought. Like you said, we didn't come out just knowing we were Panthers. I gang bang. I went, you know, did some time. I did some things. I've lived in those streets. And so I'm not one. I try to remain as relatable and as real and as humble as possible without compromising my stance on black nationalism, revolutionary empowerment, or revolutionary black nationalism, revolutionary pan-Africanist philosophy and ideology. But making that relatable and digestible to the matters of people. And this is what the knowledge is for. But like we were talking about, you were talking about, Chairman Carl was talking about the sports and stuff like that. Even our knowledge now has become entertainment. We don't study for the sake of advancement. We don't study for the sake of empowerment. We study for the sake of entertainment. To be able to have a dialogue and a discourse and a lot of times debate. And it nets us nothing. We are some of the most studious, intelligent, 
uh, articulate people, black people can rap. We some talking cats. Our history is replete with talkers and very charismatic individuals. But at the end of the day, if that isn't gearing towards something, this is one of the reasons why I love I did Brother Malcolm X, so my brother Omawali or uh, or Hard Malik Shabazz or whatever name that the brothers like to call him. I like him so much because in this short span, you see these transitions of Malcolm. So we're able to read and to see the transitions in his life. Then you see the various degrees, how he elevated in his thinking and in his approach to things. And you see towards the end, when he came up with the organization of African-American Unity, the OAAU, when he said, listen, I said some bad things against some black people. I don't still don't agree with their philosophies, but at least I take back the negative things I said, and we'll start to deal with those things in a different form. You see what I'm saying? We start to see the elevation. This is why I love Brother Malcolm. So when we start to see, use this knowledge to help us in our progression, to help us build these institutions. And brothers and sisters, in our last few minutes, this is what I'm asking you. If you want to build institutions, if you want to really understand the meat of revolutionary ideology and philosophy and revolutionary practices, then you can contact us at the People's Black Panther Party. I don't have the number on me. If Chief War is on, he can come on with the number. I don't have the number right on me, but our email is People's Black Panther Party at Gmail. And that's even if you're not even looking to join the party. We don't. I don't solicit. I don't proselytize. I don't get on here and say, hey, come join us. This and that. We are willing. We're a revolutionary formation cadre, part of the Panther Education Committee, man. We're about enlightening, bringing together all the formation for the sake of unity, solidarity, on the common goal of advancement and empowerment. The things that we differ on and disagree on, we're going to differ and disagree. We don't even have to discuss that. If you're Muslim, you go to the Muslim, the Christian, the Christian, we're not even going to discuss that. But when we look at incidents like took place in Chicago with these white police jumping on, I didn't, out of that whole tape, I didn't actually see one white police officer ask any of them, was he a Moor? Was he or she a Muslim? Was they Christian? Oh, you ain't, I didn't see them ask them any of those. They saw putting their hands on them. This is the point that I've constantly been stressing. This is the point where we have to unify. This is the point where we have to pull all of our resources together. Like Chief Ward said, we have to get out of this divide and conquer, and they put it in ourselves that they've taught us to divide and conquer and programmed it in us that we still perpetuate that. We have to begin to free ourselves. And how are we going to be a revolutionary and talk about freeing our people and we haven't even freed ourselves from destructive thinking? We haven't even freed ourselves. We're quick to holler out who's counter-revolutionary and who's counterproductive and who's wrong and who's this and haven't looked at what my man Michael said, the man in the mirror. We haven't started with ourselves. We have set up on, when we talk about supremacy and inferiority, we've taken that from our colonizing oppressor, a supremacist mentality that we really have the audacity. We are really arrogant enough to sit on and think that what we hold in our mind is superior or to, that our beliefs are superior to someone else's belief system. And I'm not talking about the belief systems that are going to our demise and detriment. Yeah, if you're talking about advancement and, a, and the Negro is talking about division and talking about destruction of black people, yeah, your belief is superior to that inferiority, Uncle Tom, nigger-hating mess that he's espousing or she's espousing talking about. Yes, of course, but if your differences is on what you call your God, 
what you call yourself, and we're being murdered and maimed in the streets. We're still being discriminated against blatantly and deliberately. We're still living in fear. We're still behaving like niggas, and I have the audacity to sit up and say that my thinking is superior to your thing or my belief system is superior to a belief system, And we, but at the end of the day, we're both professing to want what's in the best interest of people of African descent, black people, whatever we're calling ourselves, then we have to really stop and ask ourselves, are we, is this mere rhetoric or are we working towards that? And what amazes me out of that is that we will take those from our African people. We will take that from, I mean, take that from our colonizers, but we won't take the fact that they, in their disagreements, have created forms called the Senate and the con- and the uh, Congress and other forms to sit around and in their disagreements, in their political ideologies and political uh, philosophies that they differ, that they have created a construct, one place that they come together and they debate and talk about their differences and practice, and they don't even have a real democracy and practice this some form of semblance of democracy, even though it's a farce. Better than we who have an African democratic central understanding Better than we do How are we going to say this Oh that ain't no real democracy This ain't no real government But whatever they're doing is more effective than what we can put together But we profess to have the truth Nigga sit down So I tell us man sit down We can't possibly Think that we're on it Derek here like I said If you like to build with us If you like to Sit in on some of Brother War's classes when he has the time, or we can start to build. And I have to wait a minute. I may be overstepping my bounds. Let me discuss with my central. But if we would like to work with us and to talk with us and find out more about what we're trying to accomplish at the People's Black Panther Party, because over here we're about that serious revolution, man. That's why you don't see a lot of us on the Facebook. You don't hear a lot of the. You don't see a lot of the sensationalism, a lot of the empty rhetoric. It is what it is, and we speak like we speak because we understand, too, to advance the revolution, we must step up the revolution education. How are you going to be an internationalist or a revolution talking about global revolution and you don't know what fascism is? You don't know what criminal subtleism is. You don't know what imperialism is. You don't know what capitalism is. You don't know the difference between socialism and communism, but you want to be an international revolution. That's the language of the internationalist, of revolutions. It don't mean anybody's smart or anybody. It just means I must, if I want to go to China and really understand what's going on in China, I better speak some type of Chinese or understand it. So we're trying to step up our revolutionary, to step up our revolutionary participation internationally. So we must speak the revolutionary language. And to erase the way, and once you speak this revolutionary language and you start to understand it internationally, then you will get it. You will get it. You will say, damn, the same things that these people are going through in these third world countries, the same oppression they're facing, the same colonization is like what we're facing. Huey said that. He said in a lot of, for all of us that love Huey, he said that. He said in a lot of instances, it is like we're colonized people. Police patrol our areas like military occupation. It's some of the same similarities. But we don't study revolution to that degree to really free ourselves. We're studying revolutions to debate with one another, but not to formulate strong tactics and strategies. So if you want to know what we're about, the People's Black Panther Party, our national hotline is 888-595-7277. 
Again, 888-595-7277. That's our national hotline. We can be emailed, reach through our email. You can email us at peoples, Black Panther Party at Gmail. Get at us. Let's start to really formulate some ideas. If we're tired of the sensationalism, if we're tired of the empty rhetoric, and we're really trying to bring about, we're really trying to bring about some changes and to perform some actions, then get at us. You know, ain't no ego thing here. We want to work with the people. We understand that this is a long-term process. And it is a necessary process. It's not going to be an overnight thing. You dig? It is not going to be an overnight thing. It is a long-term process. And the fight and the and the fight is tedious. There's no awards given. The biggest award we see a lot of times for those of us that say revolution, a lot of our comrades, our predecessors, that wave, that formation of freedom fighters that came before us, you find either in exile, dead, or incarcerated. A lot of times that's a reward for revolutionaries. They're not celebrated to after their death or incarceration, and many of us have forgotten them. Free them all. Free all the political prisoners. So the struggle is real, brothers and sisters. But the struggle must start in yourself, in your homes, in your communities, in your cities, and spread out like that. There's no way, there's no way you can, I, you know, in, in, in my opinion, of course, that you can step over your brother and sister is laying in a hallway or the alleyway or the street or under the underpass right there in your city and you see the impoverishment, you see the things going on with the children, you see the crime in our community and a lot of times perpetrated by our own people and step over all of that and then go talking about you're an internationalist or you're a revolutionary. Come on, man. Why? So how are we all powers? We say all powers to the people. That means all the people. We not the people? African people ain't the people. We don't deserve no power. We say all power to the people. That means all power to the people. Isn't black power in black people? So if we say black power, is that wrong? How do you have all power to the people except for black power? And we don't understand how that's hatred of ourselves. It's impossible. Oh, man, I don't get in that black power, but all power to the people. Nigga, what? Really? I, I guess. Somehow that, that, that makes sense. doesn't to me because I don't believe that anyone should be deprived of any power. I don't believe that anyone should be deprived of anyone, anyone. Hear me what Chairman Yang is telling you. I don't believe that anyone should be deprived of the right to self-determination, deprived of the right to live their life and pursue the things that bring them happiness, as long as it doesn't inflict harm on or infringe on other people's rights, I don't believe that anyone has the right to stop people from doing that. And that, more than anybody, includes me as an individual and my people as people of African descent. 
it's okay. We have to. That is one of the first things that we try to teach, and I constantly reiterate. And like Dr. Justice was saying with our youth program, and and we put up one of the videos where she was dealing with the youth, where she asked him, "Are you this?" They say, "No." Are you Indian? No. Are you this? No. What are you? I'm African. I'm black. Can I give you some money to be other than black? No. I'm black. It starts with knowing that it's okay to be you, and that you belong to the human race. You are a beautiful. Listen. I'm running low on my time, brothers and sisters, but I want y'all to know this. You, brothers and sisters, are a beautiful people. You are beautiful people of African descent, black, Morris, Akibu line, Lost Tribe. Yo, whatever you're calling yourself, those people of you, woolly-haired, melanated people, that's what I'm going to call you, you woolly-haired, melanated people, I love you. I love you. And there's nothing that we can't accomplish if we put our minds together, if we practice our very nature of African communalism, sticking together. Let's allow our differences, as long as those differences don't aren't differences that lend to our detriment or pull us down as a people, let's allow, let's practice the art of allowing. Let's practice more tolerance. Because once we start condemning and pointing the finger, everybody points the finger. If I point at the Muslim, if I point at the Christians, the Christians are going to point at the Muslims. The Muslims are going to point at the homosexuals. The homosexuals are going to point at this person. That person is going to point at the dark-complected people. The dark-complected people are going to point at the light-complected people. We begin to, it is no stopping to it. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect. Let's practice the art of allowing as long as it doesn't lead to the detriment and destruction of us as an African people. And then we will start to see, we will start to begin to become an, a people that are empowered. And it's just as simple as that. You just stay away from your differences. You just stay away from At the People's Party, we're made up. Listen, on my central committee, I have a minister. My core, my core basic faith is Islam. I have an atheist. I have, we we don't get into that. We are a real revolution. We are a real revolutionary country. So with that, I leave you as I found you, and as I always start off, that's all powers to the all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and Black power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front My face on the front page, only if I had one gun One girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things His son did pure, like a cup of virgin blood Mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit Mad violence, who I'm gon' body this hood politics Acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbages Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us One knee I duck, could it be my time is up With my love, I got up The cops shot again, bust stop glass burst A fiend drops a Heineken Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in Blacking out, I shoot back Fuck getting hit, this is my hood I'm a rat to the death of it So everybody come on, little niggas is grown Hood rats, don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Sit from the stars, sun and the moon And 